first reading from Scripture this morning is a very famous passage from the seventh chapter of Paul's epistle or letter to the church in Rome. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to you and to the church today. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree that the law, which is all the stuff I'm supposed to do, is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what is right, but I cannot do it. For I do not for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind, making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word of the Lord. And our second reading is from Matthew's Gospel. Again, a very well-known text, at least the image with which it ends is well known. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to you and to the church. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And Matthew got up and followed him. As he sat at dinner in the house, many tax collectors and sinners came and were sitting with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees, the religious leadership, saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. May the meditations of our hearts together this morning upon your word be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Like it or not, we all get dirty. Sarah, my wife, always tells me she's amazed at how I can get my clothes dirty in a matter of seconds after I put on something clean. From ancient humans millions or thousands or whatever it is of years ago to a cowboy in the 18th century down by the river taking a bath after about three weeks on the road to you or me on the way home from work in our car wondering what that smell is when we suddenly realize, oh, that's me. Oh my God. Like it or not, we all get dirty. We get a little grubby, a little ripe. And like it or not, the theme of being cleaned up, washed, is and has become an apt metaphor or a symbol for finding our way in life, and especially in the life of faith with God. Baptism, as we just talked about with the kids, washes away our brokenness, our selfishness, 
our destructiveness, all the things we do and don't do that actively or passively acquiesce, acquiesce to the forces of violence or hatred or indifference, which may be the worst force of all on this earth. Frederick Buechner, in our quote at the beginning of our bulletin this morning, talks about the centrifugal power of sin, how as we engage in these actions or inactions, these words uh, that separate us from ourselves and from God, everything that matters in our lives tends to be shifted and moved to the outside. And while we try to fill the center of our lives with all kinds of things of our own making and doing, and of course we learn that it doesn't work too well to try to be the captains of our own ship. We are born, just like Ella and Julia are born, to be with our creator, our God, who, thanks be to God, loves us enough to reconcile us, to go find us, to reestablish that relationship, even before we're old enough to understand or accept or have enough faith or be good enough to deserve it. That is what is meant to be in our lives, this relationship every day with God. Paul in Romans 7 says, though, it's not easy, not easy to live this life. For I do not do the thing that I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Arg! That's a great way of describing my life. How about yours? So I do think the metaphor is apt. Human existence is a struggle to get rid of what's fouling us up. I use the word foul, O-U-L, advisedly. To get rid of and wash away the things that are contaminating us or besmirching us. I love that word. Life is about trying to get rid of the things that hurt us, that leave us feeling empty or exhausted or secretly anxious. We've got to get cleaned up. We've got to wash that dirt away. And even dove soap doesn't work. In fact, I'm not the most mechanical person, as some of you might know. And that's because uh, I was raised by one, someone who's so mechanical, I never had to do anything. But I used to be able, back when cars weren't run by computers, I changed a clutch cable. I did my oil. I timed and tuned my car. My father taught us how to do that. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, the fact that I used to do this kind of work, and still do when I'm out in the garden, I get really dirty, uh, I thought about, like, what is the best kind of soap today? In my day, it was lava, right? You got done with work, your father and you went to the sink in your, in your garage or in your workplace, and he handed me the lava, and it took off every grease and piece of dirt I had, as well as most of my skin, and it worked beautifully. When I was in Washington State in high school, we lived there while I was in high school, I had friends who would go up to Alaska in the summers and work in fish canneries. And they would tell the stories about how they could not get the stink of fish off them after they got done with work. And you know what? I believed them because I was sitting right next to them and they still stank like fish even though they were back home in school. That's what it was like. I had a summer job with a utility which included sewage treatment plants, but I'm not going to tell you about that, all right? Other than it's a very interesting place to work. I looked up on Google today in the modern world what the best soaps are for hardworking women and men. And they are, according to one website I found, 
I looked it up on the Google, all-in-one hemp peppermint pure Castile bar body soap, which is a lot to say, almost like the Presbyterian Church of Upper Montclair. Got to find a short way of saying that after you say it once. Another one, another brand was Everyman Jack body bar with wheat bran. I don't know why you need these various um, herbs to help with cleaning, but this is apparently the best kind of soap you can buy, which I think is better, by the way. I have a running argument with Sarah, debate, let's put it this way. I think Purell is a scam, right? I don't, people are getting sick just as much as they used to, but someone's making money. That's just my opinion, all right? But we do all need some serious cleaning in our lives, but it's hard to figure out what kind of soap or in life, what really works to get rid of those things that, that trip us up, that keep us from being truly and deeply fulfilled and happy. It's hard also because nobody's perfect. Everybody needs, needs some washing up now and then. In other words, it's another way of saying everybody is human in this world. Jesus walked along and found Matthew sitting at his tax booth. And Jesus decided somehow that Matthew was worthy of calling, even though Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a great example of someone who had a lot of things besmirching his character, his life. Jews in occupied Israel, when Rome was in power, hated tax collectors because tax collectors were agents of foreign occupation. They were agents of the Roman government, the conquerors, and therefore Jewish people hated tax collectors with a double hatred, people like Matthew, especially if they were Jewish tax collectors collecting money for Rome. They had gone over to the enemy. They were Quislings, Benedict Arnolds. They were betraying their own people for money. People still don't like tax collectors to this day. Did you know that archaeologists uncovered a 3,000-year-old tablet in Iraq? And on this tablet was the inscription, you can have a lord, you can have a king, but the man to fear is a tax collector. 3,000 years ago, it was the same as it is today. In a biographical sketch of Matthew, after whom one of our Gospels, our Gospel today, is named, the scholar James Kiefer notes that Jesus numbered among his disciples, his followers, persons of widely varied backgrounds. And that's a nice way of saying, not a great crowd. They included not only Matthew, a former agent, tax collector of the Roman government, but also Simus the Zealot, Josephus, a scholar from whom we've learned most about the first century in the middle, in that sort of part of the ancient Near East, tells us that zealots were fanatical nationalists. They were assassins. They were determined to drive out the Romans by any means necessary, by terroristic methods, by executing anybody who collaborated with the Romans. Their motto was, no king but Messiah, no tax but the temple, no friend but the zealot. And yet Jesus' love, his circle of loved ones, knew no boundaries. A terrorist, an assassin, a murderer, if, if that person turns back to God, 
in Jesus' mind, and that's why he's perfect and we're not, would be as welcome at Christ's table as Mother Teresa, the holiest person you can think of, maybe even more so, because as Jesus says later in this passage, it's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. Now go and learn what that means. I love that line. Go and learn what that means. Live as a real human being for a while, and you understand what I mean. All of us, you, me, Mother Teresa, Gandhi, Ella, Julia, all of us are just human beings, and we have within us the desire to push everything away from the center and to try to go it alone, to do it without God. And we have to be reminded now and again of the fact that that is not what we're called to do or born to do. It's not what we need to do. We don't have to go it alone. Earlier this spring, a gray whale, you might have read this story, was among the hundreds, maybe even more, uh, whales that are migrating uh, north in the Pacific Ocean from sort of the, around off of Baja in Mexico all the way up to Alaska. It happens every spring. But this one gray whale took a wrong right turn and went underneath the Golden Gate Bridge and got lost in San Francisco Bay. Guided by an instinct which kept telling it to swim north, instead of going back out west through the Golden Gate Bridge, the whale swam about 25 miles north through San Francisco Bay, San Pablo Bay, into the tidal waters of the Petaluma River up north of San Rafael, north of the Golden Gate Bridge, quite a ways. And according to a report, biologists who tried to uh, play whale sounds to lure the whale back where it belonged to get it back out into the open ocean with little success, eventually that whale didn't make it. It was impacted by some kind of, some kind of boat or ship, and uh, it also was not getting enough food, and it, it did not make it. I can sympathize with that whale. Going the wrong direction can be uh, tempting. It can even be feel instinctual, but uh, after a while, doing something that you know is wrong, heading in the wrong way, um, eventually starts to create this feeling of emptiness and loneliness and isolation and shame sometimes that all these things contaminate oneself. That is a basic human experience. Um, and that's all sin is. That's this Christian word which unfortunately, in my experience anyway, um, has been overused and even weaponized at times. But sin, exactly, sweetheart, is a basic human experience, right? It's just us trying to do it about trying to do God's job in our lives. Uh, and, all, and by doing that, we separate ourselves from God and from other people and from our very best selves. If you've, ever, if you've ever been there, then you know that's precisely what hell is like. You don't have to wait to die to know what it's like to be apart from God. That's all hell is. That's all heaven is. Heaven is being in relationship with God. That's all we know about it. We don't know anything else. We'd like to predict what it is, but we just don't know. At first, you tell yourself it's not a big deal. Then you say, when you're going in the wrong direction, that if you need to, you can quit. And then you find, and this is that human experience, go and learn what this means. You find that even though you'd like to quit, you can't. It's like food for some people. This morning, a very kind person offered me a giant piece of carrot cake for breakfast. Not 
really looking at how large I've become. I wonder if the person really loves me. I read about a new kind of soap, speaking of soap, in, uh, that's become very popular in Japan. It's a soap for washing away fat. This is a true story. I need to find some of this. The Economist of London reports that the latest evidence of this strange phenomenon is to be found at the Customs Hall at Tokyo's Narita Airport. Thousands of bars of something called seaweed defat soap have been confiscated in the last year from travelers returning from Beijing and Hong Kong because the soap is reputed to wash away pounds. Airport officials seize the soap from those who are violating the 24-bar limit because it costs $2 a bar in China and $15 a bar in Tokyo. In September, Japan's health ministry, wisely I think, warned consumers that this product might not live up to their expectations. I do wish it were that easy, don't you? To wash away fat, to wash away dirt, to wash away regret, to wash away shame, to wash away hurt, to wash away sin. Jesus was walking along today, saw Matthew, a tax collector, the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low, and Jesus, without another thought, or words said, follow me. And that's all it took. That's it. Follow me. This washing away happens that easily. Nobody could believe it. Nobody can believe it now. Matthew, the tax collector, followed Jesus all the way to dinner that evening. The religious folk there, the Pharisees, the leaders said, ooh, He's eating with Matthew and all these other sinners, these bad people. Why would he do that? And Jesus overhears their comments, the peanut gallery, and he says, those who don't need a doctor, those who are well, they don't even need me. Go and learn what this means. In other words, live a little, and you'll find out. Everybody needs to wash the dirt off. One of my favorite uh, important stories of that is uh, about Mahatma Gandhi, considered one of the great human beings of the 21st century and one of my heroes. He was a great spiritual leader, not only of India, but in the entire world. But as you probably have heard, Gandhi was no different than any other human being. He had his shortcomings. As you know, uh, Mahatma Gandhi who contributed greatly not only to uh, civil rights and, and the nonviolent way of protesting oppression and injustice in the world, but also to the liberation and independence of India and Pakistan. Uh, he also was a person who walked around barefoot all the time. He was a lawyer, but a barefoot lawyer. Um, and I was told that all this walking, it's interesting, uh, created in, on Gandhi's feet an impressive set of calluses. You heard about this? Uh, Gandhi also ate very little, which made him rather frail, but his odd diet, mostly of vegetables, made him uh, suffer, of course, from very bad breath. So Gandhi wasn't perfect. In fact, you might realize that all these things made Gandhi a super calloused, fragile mystic, <laughs> plagued with halitosis. And I guess it is hard being a person of faith. You know, we go and take hot baths 
I heard a kid at the track meet yesterday. I was at, we were at a track meet for seven hours with my daughter. Yay! And we were sitting next to a team from somewhere, and I heard this kid say after running in a couple races, I need to go home and take a bath. The problem is baths only last for so long, right? And then we get dirty again. Matthew would have liked to have gone home and taken a bath. He had a loathsome job working for Rome, taxing his fellow Jews, the kind of job that leaves its stink on you. And yet, Jesus called him. Jesus invited him. And that's all it took to change Matthew's life. Simply to become in the, to just get close to Jesus. Be in his presence, proximal to this person who somehow is this living, breathing reality of God's self-giving love and grace. It's not, it turns out, about becoming a Jesus robot and saying, I've been saved, I've been washed clean. It is simply about following, about saying yes, whether you're ready or not. It's just about allowing God to offer God's self to you and in gratitude for this gift of love that we receive in a way that only God can give, offering ourselves back. Rebecca Barlow Jordan tells a very funny story about a friend of hers named Neil. Neil had just finished picking up prescriptions at uh, the local CVS drugstore, and as he drove home, Neil noticed a little Volkswagen bug following too closely behind him, tailgating, in other words, and to his surprise, the little car just followed him. Every time he took a left, the car took a left. Every time he took a right, the car took a right. And Neil couldn't figure out. He even drove into his own driveway. And sure enough, the little Volkswagen bug was right behind him. It seemed that Neil, though, uh, had accidentally backed into this bug in the parking lot. Because when he looked back, there was nobody driving it. Their bumpers had hooked together. And this car had become attached to him. The lightweight little car stayed stuck to the bumper the whole drive home. Neil called the drugstore about the same time that the Volkswagen owner had gone out in the parking lot and said, where's my car? Well, in the same way that that little Volkswagen bug followed Neil's car, Matthew, this terrible person, this human being, this child of God, Matthew locked himself on to Jesus. He just answered and said yes when Jesus said, follow me. It's not about becoming a Jesus robot or becoming super religious. It's simply allowing God to offer God's self to you and offering ourselves in return. Amen.